Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, Lord. We thank you. We honor your word. We honor you, Father. We thank you, Father God, that you speak to our hearts today. We give you all the praise and glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just, um, it seems like it's been working on the inside of me, just this phrase, if God before us, if God before us. And we know there's a scripture, it says, if God before us, who can be against us? And that just has been working on the inside of me. And I, it's been working on the inside of me individually as a person. If God is for me, as everyone here, if God is for you, who can be against you? But then also it's been working, and it's, the Lord's been speaking, even as a ministry and as a church, if God is for us, who can be against us? So that's kind of been working on the inside for a little while there. So we're going to look at this as individuals, and we're all going to, we're going to consider it also as a church today. And I remember back in 1993, our, our youngest daughter, we have two daughters, and Annalisa was born in 1993. She was about three months old, and the Lord was dealing with us, and we knew we weren't going to be able to negotiate our way out of it to move to Sicily. And, you know, you see all those, uh, you know, mafia things on TV, and uh, you see, you think there's, in your mind, you think there's bullets flying around, and you think, wow, we're, we're moving there with our, our well, I said Annalise, I meant Liliana. I'm sorry about that. Uh, some, Jenny picked that out, but Liliana was born in 1993. Anna was born in 1995. So Liliana uh, was just three, about three months old, and we knew we couldn't negotiate our way out of it. And we're thinking about, wow, you know, Sicily's, Palermo, Sicily, the place of the mafia. And right while we're thinking that, the Lord said something to us, and he said, you're safer in my will in Palermo, Sicily, than you are out of my will in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so really, you know, we haven't been, we haven't, uh, we've lived out of the States since 1993, and uh, we've just been following God one step at a time. We've been here now for a little over 10 years, and uh, this seemed like home, so we became citizens here. But, you know, it's just good to be in the will of God, and if you're in the will of God, God is for you. So we want to be uh, in the will of God individually, but we also want to be in the will of God as a church and a ministry. It's just really important, you know. So Romans chapter 8, here's that scripture that I was talking about in verse 31. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And that just jumps out if God is for us. I mean, uh, if if you really think about that now, Maybe sometimes we don't realize how awesome God is. Maybe we're just uh, sometimes forgetful that when we talk about God, you know, it's just easy to say God's name, God. But uh, I just thought I'd just write a few things down as I was preparing and just kind of remind us when we say, if God is for us, if God. So uh, your idea or what you think about God makes this scripture you know, either so-so or powerful in your life. So just some things about God. Here's here's just to remind us about God. I just have a list of some things. Here's a couple. Like God is eternal. So there's nobody sitting, I mean, you know, I could pick on some people, you know, because God 
always was. And, I, you know, I, I was tempted when I was praying and, you know, even getting cheeky about picking on some people that maybe are eternal in this building, but I won't do that. <laughs> but <laughs> God, he's, he always was. He's always been. There's nobody here that's in that category. God is self-sufficient. He has life in himself. There's nobody that, here that has life in themselves. So when we talk about God, we're talking about awesome He's omnipotent. It means he's all-powerful. So like God for you, all-powerful. He's omnipotent. Uh, um, thank you. Don't, don't say it. Okay. <laughs> God knows everything. Okay. He knows everything. So we're talking, if God is for you, he has enough knowledge to help you. Okay. Uh, then God is faithful. And everything he promised will come to pass. God is just. He always does the right thing. He's not a respecter of people. He's just. Okay, God is immutable. God never changes. All right? People change, but God. So when God is for you, you know that he does the right thing. He's just, and he never changes. God is love. Just think they have somebody for you that is love. He is love. Okay, God is good, all right? And then he's merciful. God's mercies are new every morning. So when you got out of bed today, there was fresh mercies for you. It's just good to have um, God for us. And in this, you know, I, I like to do this when we look into the Word. Sometimes it's good to look at, you know, just briefly look at why would God not be for us? You know, is there a reason that this wonderful creator of the universe would there be a reason why he wouldn't be for us well i typed something into google and i saw something came up there was a document that said 43 things that god hates well we're not going to go through 43 things that god hates today they were all old testament scriptures okay and you know god what isn't happy with any of those things but uh if we just look in the new testament we can categorize and just see one thing that we would think the one thing that would cause God not to be for us, we see it in James chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So that's a New Testament scripture. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament, but we know in the New Testament, there's one thing that God will oppose, and it's simply pride, okay? So it's, it was like that in the Old Testament. It's still like that in the New so here's the thing, like as individuals and also as a ministry in a church, we just want to make sure we know how to humble ourselves. But there's a balance to, to humility also. Um, you think about uh, David and Goliath, and you had Saul, and Saul was like the king, and then he had his army. They all had titles, they all had position, they all were trained and they had a giant in front of them, and they were afraid of the giant. You know, so it's not a title. It's not position. It's none of those things. David, he's out in the wilderness, and he's taking care of some sheep in the wilderness, okay? And while he's in the wilderness taking care of those sheep, we have a lion and a bear that show up. David probably not realizing it, but he because he was a good shepherd and he wanted to take care of the sheep, he killed the lion 
and he killed the bear. Another thing we find out about David is he was a worshiper. When he was out there with the few sheep, his brother told him, you know, when he came where David and Goliath, where Goliath was and David showed up, his brother said, how's come you're not in the wilderness taking care of those few sheep? And his brother was belittling him, like, what you do isn't important. And we're, you know, we're with King Saul, we have the title, we have the position, we have the training, you should be in the wilderness with the few sheep. Well, when he was in the wilderness with those few sheep, guess what? He was worshiping God, he got to know God, and I like to say it this way, you find out who God is, you find out what God has, and you find out what God can do. And that's, you know, when you find out that for yourself, so David found he was worshiping God, he, he realized who God was, he realized what God had, he realized what God could do, so he's there in the wilderness, and then with all of that, he kills a lion, and he kills a bear. So then his father sends him to the battle, and he shows up where Goliath is, and here's the big king, and here's the mighty army, and they're terrified, and here's a little shepherd boy. And he shows up, and he knows who he is, he knows what he has, and he knows what he can do. So when we talk about humility, I, I want to make sure we get a balance on this. Humility is not timidity. Being humble doesn't mean you're timid. But being humble in God means you are confident and bold about who you are, but you're not prideful. So we want to make sure that as we look at this today that we're, we're not getting mixed up about what true humility is. And, and here's even another thought. Um, you know, what would, what would a false humility, false humility, what would that be? Pride, right? So false humility is pride. Well, when somebody says they can't do what God says they can do, you actually realize that's pride. And so, so, so saying, well, I, I can't do that when God says you can do that, that's false humility, and that's in the category of pride. So we want to make sure we're balanced today when we look at some things about what we're talking about, okay? Just to help us out, though, uh, here is a definition of pride, all right? So uh, it says this, it says, a high or excessive opinion of one's own importance, accomplishment, position, or superiority, whether as thought in one's mind or as displayed in one's conduct. So that's a definition. So really, you can be confident and bold about who you are in Christ, but you don't have to have an excessive opinion of yourself. You don't have to uh, think you're more important. You know, none of us are as important as any of us would think we are. And we can all be replaced. Isn't that true? And so we just want to stay balanced. Uh, balance is the key. All right? And there's nothing better for any of us individually and corporately than having the grace of God on us. Having God's grace on us as individuals and having grace on us as a church. Uh, we desire that so much, okay? So we want to just uh, look at some things along these lines. So here's, here's uh, what we want to look at right now. Um, and it's really important, these two scriptures. And I'm just calling this like, like being placed for grace. Placed for grace. Uh, so look, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, In the same way, you younger men must submit to your elders, and all of you must gird yourself with humility toward one another, for God sets himself against the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, beneath the mighty hand of God, so that at the right time he may set you on high. And so you notice, if you'll back up there, that I underlined in verse 5 a couple things. Elders towards one another, and then in verse 6, you see God is underlined. So this, this portion of Scripture, you could call this, it's like a cure-all. You know, like if they ever invented a medicine that could cure every kind of single disease, it would be like a cure-all. Well, this, these two verses of Scripture, you could say for us, as far as us having grace to do what we're called to do, this would be like a cure-all. This would fix everything all the time for everyone, individually and corporately. So what we see in this portion of Scripture, there's like three relationships here uh, that God reveals, like very obvious relationships, and then God says in each one of these relationships, it's necessary to humble yourself. So the three relationships are simply our relationship with God, our relationship with spiritual authority, and our relationship with one another. So those are three relationships that even if you try to escape them, sooner or later you will run into those relationships. You know, we, there's nowhere we can go to escape God, you know. And, uh, and then like with spiritual authority, of course, we, uh, when people hear some, uh, spiritual authority, immediately there's a fear that comes and they think dictator. And uh, God is not a dictator. <laughs> He created us with a free will. God leads us and he guides us. And if we lead like God, we'll lead and we won't dictate so we don't have to be afraid of, of the term spiritual authority. And then our relationships with, with one another. Isn't it amazing how God cares about our relationships with one another? So there's like three relationships that you see there in the word and each one of them are important. So let's just talk a little bit about, like, first of all, our relationship with God. And uh, I won't spend a lot of time here, but when you talk about God, you're talking about his word, okay? So you can't really separate God and his word. So we could say it this way. Well, the Bible says if you humble yourself, you'll have grace. Here's what we, we want to remind ourselves. Everything in the kingdom of God, every single thing, it's by grace through faith every single thing. So, you know, we're saved by grace through faith. We're actually healed by grace through faith. We are prospered by grace through faith. None of it is our own works. And if we think we can do any of it ourselves, that's actually pride. So when you think about God, you can't separate him from his word. And everything about God, it's all by grace through faith. So every time we hear a scripture, every time we hear the word of God, like all we need to do is like really humble ourselves and just like humble ourselves to his word, and that's how we receive. So in my life, uh, I grew up you know, in a denominational church, and the church that I grew up in, you know, Italian, you guys could probably all guess where I grew up at as an Italian, and we, and, and, every, and I know it's a big world, and that church spans the whole globe, so I know that probably where I grew up in Northeast Ohio, they were different than what they said in California because that, that church is everywhere. So I grew up in a church, and they said, we are the one and only, and if you're not here, you'll go to hell. And I don't know if anybody ever grew up that way where you're the, the only one, and if you're not here, you're in trouble. Like lightning can come down from heaven and kill you, and if you ever leave, you're going to go to hell. So I grew up kind of that way. So um, I, 
I thought, well, I, you know, we're set. And then my brother, uh, he got saved. My, my brother Joe, he's four years younger than me. He, uh, somebody led him to the Lord and he became a Christian. And so our family kind of got concerned about him because he was so different. You know, and he walked around the house and he kind of had a glow in his eye. They were kind of like watery, like they were, you know, like we, we thought he was with the Moonies, you know. If, that's like a cult, like his eye, he was just walking around happy with a smile on his face, you know. And so um, he was going to this Bible study, so I told my mother that they're brainwashing him. He's my younger brother. And at the time, I was a bodybuilder, and I was, you know, pretty big. And so I said, I'm going to go there to that Bible study, and if they're brainwashing him, I'm going to take him by the ear, and I'm going to pull him out of there. And if any of those, I said, sissy Christians try to stop me, I'll take care of him. That's what I said. So I went to this Bible study where they at, and when I walked in the door, lo and behold, because uh, at the time my brother and I were in business and our business was we trained people we were trainers and we owned our own you know gymnasium or whatever to train people that's what I did way back when I was younger so surprisingly there's 15 guys sitting around a table and they're all either bodybuilders or power lifters <laughs> you know and that's what I ran into and so the first thought I thought well I guess all Christians aren't sissies you know <laughs> And uh, we, we have a few today in, with us that are pretty big, uh, you know, so, but I, at the time, I thought all Christians were sissies, okay? So they said, you know, sit down, and I sat down, of course, and they opened up a Bible, you know, and the guys in that room, the first guy I saw, his nickname was Poochie. And, you know, when we first opened up our business, he was one of the first ones to join, and he wasn't a Christian, so like Poochie would come in on Monday mornings with a black eye a lot of times. We go, Pooch, what happened? He goes, I got in a fight this weekend, you know, and he, he tells us everything about who he fought and everything, so that's Poochie. He was more like a power lifter. Then I saw Steve Cattell sitting there. Now, actually, his name was Cattelle. He was Italian, but he, they shortened it to Cattell. Big Italian guy. He's not very tall, but He's like really wide. Steve Cattell could take 500 pounds on a bench press and he could bench 500 pounds because I used to spot him. Now, I only could bench 300 pounds. You know, so I thought when I saw Steve Cattell and I saw him lose his temper one day at the gym too. He, he lost his temper and I thought, wow, like I'm not going to be hurting anybody today. And <laughs> there was, that, that's the guy. So they, they put the Bible down and they said, hey, read this scripture so i read it was john 3 3 and it says unless a man is born again he cannot enter the kingdom of god and when i read that scripture i looked at my brother and i pointed my finger at him and i said are you trying to tell me i'm not going to go to heaven unless i'm born again and he said no he said i'm not telling you anything the bible's saying that that was pretty good for only being saved a couple weeks a good answer and i i didn't like hearing that because i never heard it my I was 23 at the time, and I never heard that my entire life, that you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. That was like brand new to me, never heard it before. So I, you know, I, had, I asked these questions. They were kind of probing questions, and the, the guy that was leading the Bible study thought the devil sent me there to be a thorn in their flesh. He said that later after I got saved. He said, I really thought you were of the devil, and he was using you to be a thorn in my flesh. That's what he told me. But so I went back the next week and I sat through the Bible school. I asked some more questions, or the Bible study, more questions. Then I went back the third week, but before I even got there the third week, I thought, I want Jesus. 
and I'm going to get saved. So I couldn't wait for it to end. And when it ended, you know, we got kicked out. of. It was at a restaurant, and they closed at 9 o'clock at night, so they went past time. So they told us we had to go outside. It was January in northeast Ohio, right below Canada. It was freezing cold. These 15 weightlifters joined hands, and I stood in a circle with the guy that led the Bible study, and he led me in a prayer to the Lord. Why am I saying all that? Because there came a day in my life when somebody read a scripture to me that unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And I, had, I, I thought I, have to, I had to humble myself. I had to humble myself to that scripture if I wanted to get saved. By grace, you are saved through faith. The same thing happened last week. There's pe- many people responded and had hands laid on them. You know, that was it, without realizing it, you humbled yourself and you came forward and had hands. It's by grace through faith. Everything in the kingdom of God is by grace through faith. When you hear about giving, you humble yourself and you put finances in. That's humility. You decide to put your finances in. That's humbling yourself. It's all positioning for God's grace to stay on us and even uh, he gives more grace. So this is what we're talking about. Our relationship with God, it's all by grace through faith. Okay, and then... uh, that's all we'll say about that one. And then, like, our relationship with spiritual authority. When we moved here 10 years ago, we had this great idea that we were going to do our Bible school online. So we were going to call it Rama Online. Now, we were back in Tulsa, and we were talking to the leaders, and we just told them we had this great idea to do the Bible school online, and they were just shaking their heads listening. And Patsy and I just, you know, we just took it like that was their approval. So we came back, and Karen's sitting there. She, she knows, and Jenny... They both know because they helped us get ready for this. So we, we printed up like full color uh, brochures and we did all this preparation and all this to do you know, like Rama online. And then, you know, we wrote back and then they said, we never gave you like the go ahead and permission to do this. They said, listen, we're choosing not to do that online. We want you to work with people. We want them to be in the classroom Although we know we could make, they said, although we know we could make more money doing it online, it's about quality. So they said, you're not allowed to do it online. Well, we came into the office and we, it's like egg on your face. You got, you got the advertisement out there. We sent emails out. We had it on a website and everything and you spent money on it. And we came into the office and we, we told everybody, well, we just heard back and we're not allowed to do Rama online, the Bible school. We're not allowed to do that. So everyone was looking at us, waiting for us to trash the authority, to say something. And we said, so, you know, you can throw away all the brochures, take it off the website, don't send any more emails out, and let's move on. And, and, they, and they said, that's it? You're not going to say anything else? No. You, you see, you know, because that was spiritual authority. So, you see, I, I don't have to say a whole lot more about that, you know, but here's a thought, you know, like where you work, what you say about your boss behind your boss's back, God hears it, you know, and, and it's like, you know, God isn't against companies, and he's not against corporations, and he's not against bosses, he's not against governments, he's not against it, he's for all of that stuff, and so even humbling ourselves to the government, and, and doing what they say here, you know, as far as what the government says, like paying taxes, doing all the things that the government says, you know, that's, you, you know, humbling yourself to what is required to live in this country, humbling ourselves to a, a corporate, if you work for a corporation and you have a boss, you know, all of that kind of, it, what it does, it positions us 
for promotion. It positions us for God's grace. It's always a positioning, you know, so I don't have to say too much more about that, but it's in the Bible. There's actually three relationships in God. Every one of them is important. So with God, with spiritual authority, um, uh, here, here's a, the last one then, our relationship with one another. And, uh, some, you know, I, I looked up this phrase. I, I did a little Google search yesterday about rub, you know, when somebody rubs you the wrong way. And that phrase came about like with a cat, you know, like you're supposed, you know, when you pet a cat, you're, you start at the head and go down. You're not, you shouldn't come up from the tail up because it, 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 it's against the way the fur sits on the cat, you know. So that's how that phrase started. Like, you know, when somebody rubs you the wrong way, it's like going up the, from the back to the front of a cat and it rubs you the wrong way. Well, sometimes people rub each other the wrong way. But, you know, we don't want to let anything cause us, you know, to get out from under the hand of God. And so, like, I, I remember when we were in the singing group, we had a bus and then we had a truck and we were responsible to go from from church to church and from convention center to convention center, well, you're kind of like captive on a bus. We started off with 22 on the bus and then we, it, it got trimmed down to 14. They found out we could do the same thing with only 14. But, you know, 22 people, 14 people on a bus, and I'm telling you that, you know, you're gonna have different personalities and people are gonna rub you the wrong way. But we were required to get up on a platform and minister. So you have to be in the bus all day and somebody that is not like me is talking and I'm thinking, I wouldn't say that and I wouldn't, I don't, and that's not right. And you're thinking all these things and probably when I'm talking, they're probably thinking, well, I don't agree with you and I wouldn't say that. And you're sitting there and people, and, and you're going through all that, but it says like humble yourselves one to another. And so even though if we rub each other the wrong way, the Bible says humble yourself one to another. There's something about that because the Bible says when the brethren are in unity, you know, and that's in your house, not just here at church, but, you know, we don't have just, I'm not preaching this because we got any problems, just so, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's good to preach things when there's no, pro, there's no problems, so, but even in the house, even amongst families, you know, when we choose, it's, it says, uh, it's like when there's unity, it's like there's oil that comes down from heaven, that's the anointing, and so the more we, uh, love each other and the more we submit and humble ourselves to each other the more oil that comes down from heaven and the more anointing that we have that goes individually it goes for a household and it goes for a church so those are like three relationships and if you're aware of those three relationships and each one of them we could say so much about it we don't have uh, you know an unlimited amount of time but each one of those relationships are important so here's an example um, before we look at that like, if you humble yourself in these relationships, I just made a note here, you get grace. And let's remind ourselves, what is grace? Well, grace is God's ability to do what we couldn't do without it. So um, we can't do things without him. So when you get grace, you get ability. And, uh, and so I, I had this little thing that came in my heart here yesterday. It's simply this, when God resists us, we work without him. When God gives us grace, we work with him. That's really simple, but that just came in my heart. If God is resisting us, it's like working without him. And I, I wouldn't want to stand up here and work without God. Uh, you know, I'm not a natural speaker. You guys would be really, uh, in, in, in it would be a problem if I didn't have God helping me speak. 
Uh, when I was in school and I got up to give reports, I just turned totally red. My heart was beating 100 miles an hour and I couldn't talk and I just would go give the teacher my report and sit down and I flunked. Every time I had a class that I had to give a report in, I flunked. So this is like, I never really wanted to do public speaking. So I just know more than anybody knows, I really need God to do what I do, and I really want to be working with God because I need Him. But, you know, like think about every area that you do. Like you, you want God to be working with you. You don't want to be working alone, okay? So let's look at this example with Jesus here. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 41, it says, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. So here's Jesus, like he's the, the, the sinless lamb of God, and he's got really some knowledge back then, and he, he got separated from his parents. He's like uh, really impressing the Pharisees and people that knew the Bible, like the, the Old Testament. He's really making an impression on them, okay? And then his parents went looking for him, and it, it wasn't his time yet to have a public ministry so it says that he was subject to them. He went back to Nazareth, uh, and then he was subject to them. So if you think about this, this is even an example. Jesus himself, there was divine timing, and so Jesus himself even was subject to his parents. And so even for you know, anybody here, that if you're still young and living in your, in your home, you are in a, in a season as a younger person still with your parents you know, to be subject to them and to humble yourself to your parents. And you see that here, and Jesus did that. So Jesus showed humility to natural authorities, but we also know that he showed humility to his spiritual authority because here's what he said. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Okay, so this is Jesus, and he's talking about the Father. He said, I can't do anything without him. We can't, none of us, we can't do anything without him. He was subject to spiritual authority, but he was also subject to natural authority. So if you look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 then, here's what happens. It says then, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And this is really, you know, when I think individually, increase is nice but then when i think well corporately increase is nice and i think even uh you know god sent his son and jesus shed precious blood and mainly for getting people saved people to be healed filled with the holy spirit people to be established in the word this is why we exist this is why we exist so god cares about every area of our life but let's not make any mistakes. What God cares more than anything about is that the shed blood of his son, that as many people will get saved and snatched out of hell, is possible. And then after they get saved, that they get established. God cares deeply about those things. So as believers, you know, what can we do? Because he wants to increase. He wants to increase. He wants to increase. More people saved, more people established. The kingdom of God multiplied, okay? So uh, with, with that in mind, um, we, we uh, want to just have this thought here, okay? Um, here's some, here's, I just had these things like corporately speaking. Like how do we talk about ourselves? So, um, and, and this here, like, um, 
I, I don't know how, I'm going to just be really direct and say this. Like individually and corporately, if you say things like, well, I know the word, I go to a word church. We really, we really have, we, you know, I'm just saying, you know, we don't, want, we don't want to talk about ourselves that way individually, and we don't even want to talk about our church that way. Because, you know, here, just like the, what, what we want to do is here's some balanced believing, okay? This is a balanced way to talk, okay? You can say, I'm thankful for what I know. There's much more that I can learn. <laughs> I'm thankful for every part of the body of Christ, we, we respect and honor every part of the body of Christ. Uh, uh, I res- uh, and, then, and then the balance is, too, that I'm bold and I'm confident for what I know. David was bold and confident for what he knew. But we want to make sure that we honor and respect the entire body of Christ as a church, and we want to make sure that we don't think we know it all. And so you think, well, why, why are you saying that? Well, because I really believe that we're doing so well but I really believe that God even wants to put more grace on us. But he will resist pride, and he will put grace on humility. And so if we honor one another, if we honor spiritual authority, if we honor the, the entire body of Christ, thank God for every part of the body of Christ. Thank God. If, if they're not filled with the Holy Spirit, thank God for them. They're getting people saved. Just be thankful for every part of the body of Christ. Okay, so just closing up here, here's some attitudes, behaviors, and environments that invite God. You know, there, there's like attitudes, there's behaviors, there's environments, and those that, that, that actually invite God. So look at James 1.21. It says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So the only thing that can save us is the Word of God, but it actually says that we have to humbly accept the Word that's already planted. So when you get born again, God's Word is planted in you. The Bible says He puts His laws into our hearts and into our minds. His laws get implanted in us when we get saved. But that very Word that's implanted in us, it actually says that that we have to humbly accept it. So thank God, you know, I, I know when I got saved, I, I, I wasn't uh, good, and I wanted to do bad stuff. And ever since I accepted Jesus as Lord, I no longer wanted to do bad stuff. That doesn't mean that I've been perfect for all these years, but I know one thing, the way that somebody said it once, when you, when you accept Jesus as Lord, your want to changes. And what is the want to? It means you want what you used to want to do. You don't want to do that anymore. You want to do something different. And so I know when I accepted Jesus, I wanted to do something different. So his laws, they get put into you, and his spirit gets put into you. And you have your, it's from the inside out. We sang that today. So you want to do something different. But even though the word is in you, look what it says. It says now, it says like your flesh and all that. It says, you know, get rid of the moral filth and all that. And then it says humbly accept what's planted on the inside of you because that will save you. So even though the word of God is planted in us, it's a daily thing. Like we daily accept and receive what's planted in us. So what happened yesterday, really it's important what happened, today's a new day. So every day we have to humbly 
receive and accept what's planted in us. Here's another scripture that we started off with, okay? So it says, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So I want you to notice the greater grace here. There's greater grace. Can everybody just say greater grace? So here, here's a few thoughts about greater grace, like for having environments and attitudes and, and for God to be with us in force. So with greater grace, here's, here's a few thoughts. There is grace for our Christian walk. You know, so if, if your Christian walk isn't where you want it and you feel like, man, I'm not really satisfied, don't give up because God wants to give you greater grace. And, and when there, there's grace for the Christian walk, there is grace to run our race. And somebody said one time, I thought it was a little funny, but somebody said, when it comes to leadership, if you're going somewhere and there's nobody following, you're just taking a walk, you know? And uh, it, it's, it, it's funny in one way, but, but you know, here's the thing, you know, if God is with you and there's grace, and then it's, it's not strenuous, it's not frustrating, so you, you understand, when you have God's grace, your Christian walk is not as difficult. When you have God, God's grace running your race is not as difficult. Uh, here's a couple others. There's grace to stand in our place. So everyone uh, that would, every place that God would want you to stand in, you want grace to stand in that place. And then there is grace to fight the good fight of faith. Uh, and it's everything is by grace through faith. So here's three scriptures that we're going to end up on. And these scriptures speak for themselves. Okay, so look at this. Proverbs 27 and verse 2. Look what it says. It says, let someone else praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. And so that is in the Bible. You know, so what is that balance? You know, the balance of, you know, uh, being bold and confident for what you have but yet do not praise yourself with your own mouth. Let somebody else do it. Okay? So even, even like, you know, I don't know. Well, hey, you know. Facebook isn't a, a, an instrument to talk about. It's not there to talk about yourself and praise yourself all the time. Okay, that's all I'll say. Probably... You know how nice I am. I'm too nice. Okay, and then Proverbs 25 and verse 27, it says, it's not good to eat too much honey, and it's not good to seek honors for yourself. So, you know, if we don't have to do that. And I, I did a Google yesterday because I thought, well, what does too much honey do? And there, this one thing says seven things that too much honey can do to you. You know, and, and I'm surprising because it even can mess up your digestive tract. It can mess up various things if you eat too much honey. But, it's, but then it says... It's good to have a teaspoon of honey every day. Just don't have too much of it. So there's, I guess, some things that can, if you, uh, if you talk about and honor yourself too much, it can do damage, okay? And then here's one last scripture, Proverbs 20 and verse 6. It says, most men will pro uh, proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? And so what does that mean? Well, you don't have to talk about it. Do it. You know, just do it. That, that's what Nike was trying to say. Just do it. You know, in other words, you, it, it's better not to say everything you're going to do. It's just better to do it. And then, it, you know, people will notice it. 
And that's really what the Bible's saying. So uh, the worship team can come back up here, and I would uh, like to pray for everyone today. Father, we thank you as we look into your word. It's just like really simple instruction today, Lord God, that uh, we can make adjustments, Lord, because there is really more grace and greater grace that you want to put on us individually and that you want to put on us even corporately. And yes, Father, I'll, I'll say that right now. The Lord just put this in my heart even right when I was praying. There's somebody, uh, and maybe more than one person, it, it's at your job where you work, and you're thinking, well, I'd like to get a promotion, and I'd like things to go better. And I just felt like the Lord said, here's what you do. Don't try to get the promotion, and don't talk about yourself and how good you are. Humble yourself and trust God, and he'll get you the promotion. Because the more you talk about yourself and try to promote you, the less the longer it's going to take to be promoted. And I felt like that was a word from the Lord right there as I started to pray. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you again, Lord. I, I just thank you for everyone that's in here, Father, just the practical instructions that you gave us, Lord, that we can walk uh, in, in the world, we can exist in the world, we can be successful in the world, we can walk our Christian walk uh, and have greater grace on us, Father, that we can, as a church, have greater grace. Father, we thank you, and we just are happy to make those adjustments. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.